0: It's always a pleasure to have Warren Kinsella on at the end of the week. It doesn't matter to me when you're when you're listening or, or watching this. Uh, we are recording it on Friday afternoon, so we're just a few days away from the magic day, but the magic day is going to be marred in some parts of this country, and that's what we're going to launch into right now with Warren Kinsella. Warren, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me. The
0: magic day... Christmas Day uh, is next Monday. Uh, we've got uh, Christmas Eve coming up on Sunday, the busiest shopping day before Christmas, as always, is December twenty third, and that is tomorrow. Warren Kinsella, I want to give you as much time as you need on this. What is happening at the Eaton Center tomorrow, December twenty
1: third? Uh, well, what's happening at the Eaton Center and number of other shopping malls across the country and across North America? is uh, the ostensibly pro-Palestine but really kind of anti-everything crowd are showing up, as they say, to shut down Christmas, to shut down um, shopping um, on what is, for the merchants in that mall and pretty much everywhere, the most important shopping day of the year that they need to survive. And these assholes, because that's what they are now, assholes, are going there to cause trouble, much in the way they did a few days ago. I think probably everybody in the world now has seen the video of a masked man making a death threat at someone. Initially, we thought it was the Toronto police officer. Apparently, it was somebody else but it was done in front of a bunch of Toronto police officers saying he was going to put somebody six feet under. And so they're coming back, Charles. And they're also now announcing that they're going to be shutting down highways uh, around Toronto, including the 401, which as you would know having lived in Toronto, like me, 401 is the busiest highway in North America. And they're planning on shutting it down uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, So people can't get to their families. So again, I say with consideration and deliberation, these people are fucking assholes. And, you know, as angry as I am about it, and other people will be, they're just losing support. Every time they do something like this, they're losing support. I was in Montreal with our mutual friend, Beryl Wiseman, a couple of days ago. And Montreal has got a bigger problem than anywhere. Right? Shooting up schools, firebombing synagogues and Jewish community centers, Imam standing up and saying, you know, Allah exterminate the Jews. And I said to him, like, what's the impact on public opinion of all of this stuff? And he said, every time they do it, they lose 5,000 people. So I, I'm confident that's the case. I just feel badly, as I'm sure you do, for these merchants who needed this weekend to survive what has been a very tough year. And a lot of them aren't going to survive because of it.
0: Well, I I feel badly for a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. But I feel badly uh, for this uh, country because uh, people are getting the impression that the authorities of this country uh, won't defend what we generally call Canadian values and what we more specifically can call Canadian law. Uh, Yep. Put you, you know, one of the great advantages I have with you is you're not just a columnist, and you're not just a, a teacher of law, and you're not just a, a master at, uh, at at public relations and and damage control for various uh, clients, uh, brand damage control. Uh, you are trained in the law, so I'm going to just ask you specifically, which laws, specific laws, are being violated by. Demonstrations, whether it's at Eaton Centre in Toronto, Polo Park, and in Winnipeg, uh, shutting down highways. Which specific laws are being violated by the um, the so called pro Palestine demonstrators?
1: There's a bunch of them that are being vi- violated, have been violated already, and um, so they include intimidation. So to intimidate, as they have done, you know, patrons of cafe landwork. It's owned by an Israeli family. Um, vandalism, attacking Indigo, a bookstore that's owned by a Jewish woman. Um, and then, of course, promoting genocide uh, and promoting hatred against an identifiable group, in this case, Jews. That's Section 319 and 320 of the Criminal Code of Canada. It's against the criminal law to do that. It's against the criminal law to say you want to wipe people out. That's genocide, you know, from the river to the sea. It's kind of a clever dog whistle way of saying it, but everybody knows what it means. It means eliminating Israel. So there's a number of laws, Charles, that are in place. We've had them on the books for years. They are there. They are available to the provincial governments and municipal governments to use. The federal government gave them these laws, successive conservative and liberal governments. And the provincial and municipal governments are not using the law. There's been 11 arrests in the case of the attack on Heather Reesman's indigo. Um,
0: that was in Toronto. The,
1: that's in Toronto. In yeah. Ottawa, there was this young offender who's been arrested for uh, bomb-making, targeting the Jewish community. In um, Ottawa. In Ottawa. That's about it. That's about it. So the... Firebombing of synagogues in Montreal, the shooting up of a school where grade one kids go. Uh, the guy just calling just for
0: so Jews. Just so we're clear, the shooting but, up it didn't take place while the kids were there. I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, make excuses for anybody. I just want us to be absolutely clear. There were no children in the school when uh, that school was shot at.
1: Yeah, but like it's still against the law. Just no, I'm shoot, not.
0: I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just. I just. For, yeah, I just never know. Who's well, anyway, to I was getting thing. there. I or was getting there. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. So
1: that's Go ahead, in boy. Montreal. So yeah. uh, anyway, I was just reciting. This sure. is all the stuff that's been happening yeah. in different parts of the country. And there's been no arrest in any of those cases. Okay. Like in the case of the Imam who stood in front of 20,000 people on TV and said to Allah, wipe out the Zionists, wipe out the Jews, every single one of them, spare none of them. He said, that guy's still walking the streets. That's, that's contrary to Section 319, Section 320 of okay. the criminal code. It's so that happened at, that, against an identifiable group. It's right, promoting that, genocide.
0: That happened in uh, Montreal, Warren Sella. And uh, I think the premier had something to say about expectations that police would enforce the law. Is that right?
1: He did. He was, you know, I've been a critic of him on a number of fronts, particularly for what he's lately doing to McGill. Um, but he's been excellent on the subject. It's the mayor of Montreal, Beryl Weisman and others have told me, uh, Mayor Valerie Plant, who's been useless and not condemning unequivocally these acts of hatred that are taking place and directed at the uh, Jewish community. Like this is where, you know, I know people like to blame Trudeau for everything and certainly he does deserve criticism and he gets it. But in this case, his level of government has given the provinces and the municipalities the laws to apply in precisely these cases. And the provinces and the cities are not doing it. All right, Uh,
0: I want to get back to all of this, but uh, I want to make sure that we uh, talk about a situation that you're tangentially connected uh, with. Uh, You you write columns uh, for Post Media. Uh, They appear in the Toronto Sun and the Toronto Sun did something unbelievable this week. And I have a feeling that uh, there are a few people in the world more outraged than, than a person who, who knows the Toronto Sun well. And it's a, it's, it's a, it's a paper with, with people associated with it who I know well. And uh, I, I still, um, I can't believe this happened, but let's, let's tell people what it is. And I'd like to probe your feelings on it.
1: Well, I, I am a freelancer, like I'm a columnist. Um, yeah. But I don't get to see, as you know, cartoons or anybody else's copy before it goes into the paper. That's just the way it is. That's what editors are for. I woke up about 24 hours ago um, from a tweet from a British member of parliament. That's not something that happens every morning saying that I was an anti-Semite and against Ukraine. And that you know, that tends to get your attention because I'm neither. You know, I've raised, as you know, $30,000 for the Ukrainian Red Cross. My mom and I selling our paintings I've attended pro-Ukraine rallies, I fundraised for them, and of course, on Israel, I've been with Israel, and I'm a Zionist, for more than 30 years. So it caught my attention that a British member of parliament was saying that. So I went looking for this cartoon, and there was no question, Charles, and I use this word advisedly, it was a fucking stupid cartoon. Uh, It was obtained through a syndication service in the United States, a cartoonist named Varvel, I believe, never heard of him before. And it depicted Vladimir Zelensky, the leader of Ukraine, <clears throat> walking side by side with Joe Biden, and Zelensky was depicted with a big nose, picking uh, Joe Biden's wallet. And um, Let, let's so- be clear,
0: Warren. Here for people who don't uh,
1: have uh, any
0: sense of what anti-Semitic, uh, Jew-hating propaganda looks like, uh, there, the, um, the the Nazis and others over the years whenever they portray Jews uh, as objects of hate uh, as objects of envy uh, the Jewish person always has a hook nose so this is very specifically a cartoon saying that Zelensky is a Jew who only cares about money right uh, traditional anti-jewish uh, trope and that he's uh, he's siding with Biden he wants Biden to help him but really what he wants is he
1: wants American money yep And, you know, this is Tucker Carlson territory. This is Fox News, Newsmax, Um, bullshit. um, And uh, um, so anyway, uh, I raised the matter with my editors. And um, anyway, eventually, a few hours later, a comprehensive apology was issued by our editor-in-chief, Adrian Batra, and I encourage everybody to read it because it was not one of those conditional apologies. It was, as we say in the business, a shit-eater. And um, she took responsibility for all of it. And um, anyway, everybody should check out that, uh, that apology. And um, what's been upsetting to me personally, and I think you know how I am a little bit, I can't be an Irish, walking Irish bar fight sometimes. Notwithstanding the apology, notwithstanding my own personal history, or the fact that the son probably probably is the most pro israel newspaper in north america notwithstanding that we had the prime minister of canada and seja which is the leading jewish organization so on condemning us and you know for sure we deserved the criticism the newspaper deserved the criticism but it's like you know also on the one hand it's like guys In the new media business, because we're trying to get the paper out, we're trying to get a broadcast out, we're trying to do a podcast like this, sometimes we make mistakes. And, um, you know, it would be great if he gave us a break, just a little bit. And that isn't happening. So kind of where I'm at, Charles, right now is just like, fuck it. You know what? You don't need my voice on Ukraine and Israel. I'm stepping back. So I'm going to write about other stuff. You guys are on your own. Let's see how that works out. So that's kind of where I'm at today. I'm not, I'm not in a good mood, but I'm not going to tell you to fuck yourself like last oh, no, week. no! no, no, no. <laughs> I'm telling other people to fuck themselves. Last
0: week, last week I became collateral damage for the Irish bar fight. That's my new. But
1: <laughs> well, we had fun. It was fun. We,
0: we, we we did have fun, and I'll tell you, it is so difficult to have fun uh, these days when uh, these uh, these topics are out there and the, these events are out there. There's another event that I want you to focus on once again with your with your lawyer <laughs> hat. Um, I know some days you say to you say to yourself, if if he, if he wants a freaking lawyer, why doesn't he just get it? Well, you are one. So and I mean, you know, and unlike lawyers, uh, it doesn't take you as long to get to the nub of the matter. So what is the nub of the matter of what, in my opinion, and you can always disagree, you often do, but in my opinion, is the biggest political story of the week, and the Detroit News broke it. There is audio tape of Donald Trump actually trying to influence those people who are responsible for registering the votes in Michigan, electoral votes that Donald Trump badly needed that were not going to go his way because he lost uh, the election. You know, there's 50 elections, there's 50 states. He lost the election in in Michigan uh, by a relatively sizable thumb, but he decided uh, to try to influence those people responsible for registering the vote, for making it official, try to uh, influence them uh, to change change the vote somehow, to to rig the vote. And uh, while he was doing this, of course, he was telling everyone that the Democrats were stealing the election. This is incontrovertible evidence on audio tape of Donald Trump trying to, to steal the election. But Warren Kinsella,
1: what say you? It is a big story. You know, I know um, a lot of uh, the, us in the media have been focusing on the decision of the Supreme Court in the state of Colorado this week, and they decided that Donald Trump had violated Article uh, 14 of the U.S. Constitution. He would participated in an act of insurrection. He clearly had. And they said he would be thereafter barred from being a presidential candidate on ballots in the state of Colorado. That's contrary to what Michigan and other states have found. It's going to inevitably go to the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, And kind of where I'm at, Charles, and I say this full disclosure, you know, I worked for Hillary in three different states. I worked for Biden in a number of states, and uh, I'm a Democrat. And so I want to beat the guy fair and square. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have a judge do it. So this tape comes up, and I think it's a bigger story, as you rightly point out, than the Colorado decision. And why is it a bigger story? It's a bigger story because to this point, you know, clearly Trump had been involved in trying to defraud the Electoral College. He'd been involved in multiple, in myriad attempts to defraud and prevent, you know, uh, Joe Biden from winning the election, which Joe Biden did. Um, but he did it through proxies. You know, he do it through Michael Flynn. He do it through Rudy Giuliani. You know, who deliciously had to declare bankruptcy yesterday. He did it through all these different assholes in his orbit. The importance of the Detroit story is it now personally links Donald Trump directly, personally, to an attempt to overthrow the election. So it is of great significance. <laughs> now you're going to ask me. Is it going to matter politically? And unfortunately, I have to say, I'm not sure it will. If he can survive the Access Hollywood tape, where he talks about sexually assaulting women, and he becomes president of the United States, maybe the son of a bitch could survive this too. So uh,
0: how does it work? Uh, Jack Smith, who is the special prosecutor in Washington, uh, will no doubt be uh, looking and listening to this piece of audio that Detroit News says a whistleblower has uh, <laughs> sent them. It'll be up to the whistleblower to... Uh, you know, release the tape, but uh, I don't think Jack Smith has any trouble uh, convincing, uh, uh, you know, uh, convincing people to uh, give him the evidence that he needs. If the special prosecutor in Washington gets the evidence of uh, this audio tape of Donald Trump trying to rig the election, therefore subverting the Constitution, therefore making himself in the minds of many, many uh, law professors and others ineligible to serve as president of the United States. Do you think there is a possibility that his name will be removed from the ballot?
1: Is that possible? I I mean, the thing is, you know, it's hard for people to follow because there's a multiplicity of things happening. You know, there's the state of Georgia, which I think is the best action of all because she's indicting everybody in Trump's orbit and they're all turning on Trump. Um, So that's at the state level, right? And there was New York State. There was the man. Manhattan District Attorney, and then there's this Jack Smith guy. And those are federal charges. The reason why I'm not enthusiastic about the federal stuff, because as you know, having lived in the United States, if Trump becomes President of the United States, he can and he will, in the first 60 seconds, pardon himself. The President in the United States has the power, legally, to pardon himself and anybody else for any federal crime. They cannot do that for a state-level crime. So what Jack Smith is doing is he's trying to get ahead of Trump's arguments in court. What Trump is doing is, those of us in Canada call it ragging the puck. He's trying to delay, delay, delay any of these many court cases taking place. He's facing basically almost 100 different counts of violating the law. He's trying to get the U.S. Supreme Court to say, He cannot give himself immunity. He does not have presidential immunity, um, you know, in all of these court cases. He is everybody's equal under law and he has to face uh, face the music in court. Um, And but the Trump guys, and I suspect they may succeed. Because there's this three of the justices on the U.S. Supreme Court were appointed by Trump himself, including criminals like Clarence Thomas. So, uh, you know, I I think what they'll probably do, Charles, unfortunately, is say to Jack Smith, this is an important case that you bring and it raises all kinds of issues. And we need to consider this and we'll get back to you in about 18 months. And that's a win for Trump. So
0: I I don't I don't mean to be an elementary school a teacher here, but I have to ask you to justify something that you just said, because not everyone follows every aspect of politics and law as assiduously and meticulously as, as my good friend, author, lawyer, and champion of human rights, not to mention a, a Zionist and a pro-Zelensky guy, Warren Kinsella. I have to ask you why you've just indicted, prosecuted, and convicted Clarence Thomas. You called him a criminal.
1: Well, I've always opposed him back to when I was Cretchan's special assistant. We were watching with astonishment uh, a very credible, uh, level-headed, and truthful witness, Anita Hill, appeared before the Senate uh, in the fitness hearing for Clarence Thomas. And so this is like 30 years ago, and saying, this guy sexually assaulted me, and this guy sexually harassed me. And she had proof, and she was credible in her presentation of the evidence. And And Biden has admitted this. To his eternal shame, Joe Biden did not give Anita Hill, who's a law professor herself, the hearing that she deserved. What subsequently emerged is that Clarence Hill was a creep. He did uh, stalk women. He did harass women. And he almost certainly did all of the things that Anita Hill said he did. And now we're learning he's getting gifts from people who have cases before the Supreme Court of the United States. One of them gave him like a million dollar RV to travel around. He said it was his greatest moment. And uh, and and he still heard the case involving the guy who gave him the gift. So I think, you know, I say, you know, uh, with some um, uh, deliberation, he's a crook and um, Trump's a crook and crooks love other crooks. And I think Trump will ultimately succeed because of guys like Clarence Thomas.
0: I've got a very uh, short space of time left here. Uh, now let's double back, as I promised uh, the audience we would. Uh, just a couple of minutes left here, Warren. With respect to all of these uh, pro-Palestine, so-called pro-Palestine uh, demonstrations, uh, this to me is you know, the big question that needs to be asked. Is this an organized conspiracy? Is this funded by people from outside Canada? And I ask this question not because I'm a conspiracist, simply because this is something the public needs to know about. It, it, there, there, there's something fishy about all these demonstrations all over the world using the same slogans and the same literature and the same, the same, the same. In two minutes or less, does your legal mind go to a central authority organizing all of this?
1: Absolutely, Uh, because there's a qualitative change in the way they're doing it. You know, when I was with my friend, Beryl Wiseman in Montreal, I said to him, I asked him the same question you just asked me, like, what the hell's going on in Montreal? He said that uh, intelligence agencies, and I think you know the ones I'm talking about, have met with him to receive his complaints and his concerns and information. And they've said that many of these people showing up at these protests are not Palestinian citizens or Palestinian-Canadian citizens. they are professional troublemakers who are being paid to do it. Like in the city of Montreal, Charles, they've actually divided it up into grids with captains for each grid who are in charge of mobilizing quickly. And they are. They are super organized. Like every Jewish leader that I've talked to, I said, look, I've been following this stuff, guys, for 30 years. These people are super organized and clearly well-funded. And we know from you know, reporting in the New York Times and otherwise that the Qataris and the Saudis and so on, much as they did with bin Laden and so on, are in fact funding Hamas. And this money is being used to ag- agitate around, uh, you know, in the diaspora, the Jewish diaspora. And, and they're very effective. So it gets back to the very point you raised just a few minutes ago. Where are the cops? Where are the provinces? Where are the municipalities? Why are they not acting against a well-funded, well-organized, and effective group of people who are trying to destabilize society? They're not just after the Jews anymore. As you know, per the famous cliche, it always starts with the Jews, but it never ends with the Jews. These guys are now after a number of other people as well.
0: Well, when uh, their uh, latest slogan is uh, no Christmas, that's Christmas, no yep. Christmas business as usual. OK, yep. Uh, that's not just about about Jews. Warren Kinsella, uh, thank you very much uh, for a stellar performance under the difficult uh, circumstances. And you only said the word asshole six <laughs> times. So I've got to give I, you a I lot said of credit the for discipline.
1: Too. I apologize, moms and dads. Uh, Merry Christmas, my friend, and Happy New Year, (laughs) and uh, all the best.
0: Merry Christmas to my favorite Irish
1: bar fight, Warren Kinsella. I'm Charles Adler.